chapter 75. Dylan! I screamed. I knelt down beside him, feeling pukey and fuzzy and like the wind had been knocked out of me. He was holding his arm, sigh of relief, tight, grimacing. Blood leaked out through his fingers. It's fine, Dylan said tersely. Bullet went right through. Bone seems okay. I didn't even have a second to give him my best. I'm really glad you didn't just die because I kind of like you more than I thought, Look though. Because, Max, watch out! Dylan shouted and shoved me. Stage right, an older man with wild hair and plastic-like skin was firing a gun at us. Mark, no! shouted Beth, the queen of the cult. Big of her. The guy pushed the girl aside and aimed, and I dodged the bullet that came close enough to nick my feathers. I tried to drag Dylan out of the way, but the guy was still popping off as many shots as he could. Max, go! Don't protect me! Dylan yelled. Go! Then Holden, the little fang gang kid, came out of nowhere with an apparent death wish. He raced directly toward the maniac with a gun, shrieking something that sounded like, I am a starfish! Holden looked like Swiss cheese for a second as Mark used up the last of his ammo, but the holes in the kid's arm closed up in seconds flat. This little daredevil had some serious chops, and by now, most of the flock in the gang were closing in. The gunman, looking more than a little freaked out, ran off stage like a five-year-old girl. I was still leaning over Dylan. The bullet hole was already healing, and he had some color back in his face. When someone cut in. Need a hand? Fang asked. Dylan looked at the hand wearily, but took it, pulling himself up. I raised an eyebrow at Fang. He shrugged. What? I'm trying to learn to be a team player. Dylan actually smiled and, get this, fist bumped my ex. I nodded, a little dazed, and moved over to the other side of the stage to herd out more of the confused former one-lighters. It was actually kind of amazing to see two of the guys I cared most about in the world, different in so many ways, fighting side by side. Fang covered Dylan's weak side, and together, they were doing some serious damage. We've come a long way, baby, I was musing, when suddenly a heavy weight hit me in the back. Then, two vice-like hands clamped around my neck. Chapter 76 You could have ruled your own country. Mark, the cowardly shooter, yelled into my ear. Lesson number one. Megalomaniacs never give up when they should. I tried to rise up on my hands and knees, but the guy was on my back and weighed a ton. Whoa! I coughed, struggling to breathe. What'd you get enhanced with? Ham? You could have been a princess in the new world but now you're going to die like a lowly, ordinary human. He practically spat the last word, though he appeared to be human himself. Steroid cocktail of a human, but a human nonetheless. This guy needed an intense course on overcoming self-hatred, stat. The thing about being a princess, I managed to say, still struggling to get up from underneath him, is that you have to kiss a lot of frogs. He was strong, and I clawed at his fingers with shockingly little effect. He clamped on harder on my windpipe, and I started to get really worried. I heard blood rushing my ears, heard my heartbeat slowing. Not good. This wasn't how it was supposed to end. You are a black cloud over the one light, I heard the man say, as if from a distance. You won't destroy everything I've worked for and planned for all these years. Suddenly, my head got yanked to one side, and the vice grip around my neck slackened a bit. I pried off his fingers with difficulty as I heard his voice, full of hatred and rage, shrieking. Then, a rush of air whooshed into my lungs so fast it was almost painful. I gasped like a fish, sucking in air with a wheeze, and then I heard my voice snarl, That's not how it's gonna end, dirtbag. 
I got up on all fours, wobbly, my head starting to clear. But it hadn't been my voice after all. It had been Maya's. She'd broken off a piece of metal barricade and beamed old Mark with it as hard as she could. Of course, Mark, pumped up with who knows what, survived the blow. With an angry bellow, he got to his feet as I stumbled out of the way. Maya hauled back and smashed the metal pole into Mark again. There was an awful thwack. You know, I choked out. The bigger they are. I lined myself up with Maya and grabbed the other end of the pole. The harder they fall, Maya said, and the two of us rushed Mark, using our combined strength to clobber him one more time. He staggered backward, looking surprised, and just as he started to look angry, he fell back off the stage, flailing through the air. He landed ten feet below with a sickening crunch. I'm guessing his enhancements didn't allow him to bounce back up like a ball. We call that a design flaw. Maya and I looked at each other as I began to wrap my mind around the depressing realization that she had probably just saved my life. Max! Dylan rushed over, and I blinked and looked around. The guards were all taken care of. What was left of my flock was still standing, and the rally had mostly dispersed. It looked like another job well done. Now I just had to find Angel and Gazzy. But as I took one last look at Mark's body on the ground, I saw... Were those... wires sticking out below him? He wasn't a bot, we knew that much. So they were connected to... And that was when the City of Lights exploded with a thunderous boom. Chapter 77 The next few moments, surprisingly, proved that a lot of what Dr. Hans and the DGs had said was true. Those of us with wings and wild animal DNA were above the blast in less than two seconds, leaving danger, rubble, and chaos behind. People left on the ground weren't so lucky. Those nearby were hurled into the air by the blast, and more were injured by flying debris. Trembling aftershocks also took a toll. Through the dust and debris, I saw Fang's gang. Most of it. Outside the plaza. I guess that Ratchet had sensed what was about to happen, and they were strong enough and fast enough to get to safety quickly. Everyone okay? I barked, and they nodded at me. Next to me, my did a quick head count. No Fang. Or Gazzy. Or Angel. My adrenaline surged. What happened? I said, scanning the ground anxiously. Gazzy's never not been able to dismantle something. I'm not sensing poison gas, Dylan said. Not that that means anything. It might be odorless and tasteless. I circled quickly, going lower as the smoke settled. Where the open manhole had been, there was now a huge crater, maybe 30 feet across and 30 feet deep. My heart seized. Where was Gazzy? Angel. Fang. Suddenly, I saw a smallish bird kid soaring upward, just as another gigantic explosion rocked the street. Shockwaves knocked me back several feet, and I inhaled a bunch of dust. Max! Gazzy's face was black, his eyes wide and scared. Gaz, thank God you're okay. Where's Angel and Fang? Gazzy started choking, forgetting to keep himself aloft, and I drifted down beside him as he landed on the broken granite pavers and rubble. He opened his mouth to speak, but coughed. Then tears started running down his cheeks. Gazzy, what happened? I said, but he shook his head, coughing. Aftershocks rumbled below us again, and I made Gaz take to the air in case of another explosion. He could fly okay, but he looked miserable, and he kept gagging and spitting out dust. Where was Angel? Where was Fang? I shot a panicked look at Dylan, and he understood immediately, diving down the hole to find them. Could Angel and Fang really be gone? 
my brain whirled at the horrible possibility. Gazi was still wheezing, unable to talk. There were times when I thought I'd lost Angel or Fang before, and when Fang left, I thought I'd never see him again. But that had felt more like... I wouldn't see him, but he still existed. What about now? How would I feel if he... I was swallowing shakily, terrified thoughts piercing my brain like shards of glass. Just as Dylan landed on the street, Fang shot up toward me, coming through the billowing clouds of dust and debris. His shirt was shredded, his face bruised and cut. Like Gazzy, he was covered with soot. Gaz, you made it out, he gasped when he got closer. Angel was right behind me, Gazzy said. Right behind me. He looked around us, everywhere, as if expecting to see his sister making her way toward us. I flew right up to Fang and clutched him, if only to convince myself that he was really alive. That intense joy and relief ended in a nanosecond. I pulled back and grabbed his shoulders. Where's Angel? I don't... How could you leave her? I shrieked. Max, I... Gaz was almost done, and I thought... Angel said... I looked into Fang's face. His dark eyes, usually bottomless, were full of emotion. His face was ashen. My eyes widened and my hands dropped from his shoulders. I let my wings take me backward, away from him, as a silent, searing scream started to rise in my chest. He didn't say anything out loud, but he told me just the same. He didn't know where Angel was, and he was afraid that something awful had happened to her. My breath caught in my throat and my blood turned to ice. Had she been trapped by the second explosion? That didn't seem possible. I remembered her small, earnest face saying, I can deal with pretty dangerous. Angel, where are you? Gazi yelled, turning in circles, bobbing up and down in the sky. Then suddenly, he crumbled, his face dissolving into tears. My munitions and weapons expert was really just a nine-year-old kid, and he just lost his little sister. And I'd just lost my baby. Chapter 78 It's been five hours, Max. Dylan's quiet voice was like sandpaper. I refused to believe that she didn't escape, I said stubbornly, and tried to help super strong Kate shift some more twisted wreckage from the blast site. Dylan and I had even crawled through the rubble near the end of the manhole and tried to get back into the sewer system, but the tunnel had completely collapsed, and Gazzy said that while he'd managed to defuse most of the network of bombs, he obviously hadn't gotten to everyone. Plus, the poison gas was still down there. He'd given me that information through sobs, as I held him, his head on my shoulder. Angel's last words to me kept replaying in my mind. It'll be okay, Max. I'll be with you, always. No matter what. And Max, I believe in you. Forever. What had she meant by that? Had she had some premonition that she might not come back? Had she made the ultimate sacrifice? She talked of all my sacrifices. I was haunted by the idea that she might have chosen to make one of her own. Next to me, Kate sat down. Star held out a bottle of tepid water, and Kate drank it. She looked exhausted. I sighed and bent down to move another chunk of cobblestone. The police had closed down the entire area, evacuating the buildings that were still standing, clearing the place de la Concorde. We'd hovered above the Louvre, waiting for them to leave, after Fang had made sure that his gang was okay. They'd been great helping to rescue at least 20 people trapped under the rubble, helping to get hurt children to nearby hospitals. Now, they sat on a curb, looking wiped, like Nudge, Gazzy, and Iggy. Only Fang, Dylan, and I were still on our feet. Just barely. An aerial search had turned up nothing, 
but after two hours, we'd found one of Angel's pink sneakers, two blocks away. It had been ripped apart, its soul dangling. A section of it was stained with blood. That's when I had finally broken down. I tried to get all of them, Gazzy sobbed. I thought I had. There must have been, like, a remote set-off that I didn't know about. I don't know what happened. I remember the wires sticking out of Mark and shuddered. Would Gazzy ever forgive himself? I was the one who decided to let him try. If I had insisted he leave there, made all of the flock get out of there and let the DGers, We'd all be safe, but thousands of people might be dead. Paris would be even more ruined than it was now. And I'd still never be able to forgive myself. Chapter 79 The weird, weird thing about devastating loss is that life actually goes on. When you're faced with a tragedy, a loss so huge that you have no idea how you can live through it, somehow, the world keeps turning. The seconds keep ticking. Within hours of Angel's disappearance, while my heart was still raw and bleeding and in denial, Paris was already starting to recover. Cleanup teams sworn the place de la Concorde. Officials tested radiation levels. Feng had given them information about what still lurked in the crush tunnels beneath the city and they deployed military experts and bomb squads to finish the job that Gazi had done so amazingly well, for a nine-year-old. We'd combed all the hospitals and trauma units, pushing aside curtains, bursting into rooms, praying we'd see Angel's filthy, wounded face, alive. But we didn't. As a beautiful sunset painted the area with blood-red hues, people began to pull themselves together. I wanted to grab strangers and yell, Don't you understand what's happened? But I knew it was pointless. It was only my pain searching for an outlet. Finally, Fang came and found me, where I had collapsed in exhaustion, near the blast site. I looked up through dry and mournful eyes. If we haven't found her body yet, then she's still alive, I said. He sat down, took my hand in his. Slowly, he shook his head. He looked like he'd aged about ten years in the past twenty-four hours. His face was drawn and gaunt. His hair and clothes were still caked with grit and blood. He shook his head again, slowly. No, Max, he said. Probably not. I wanted to scream, It's your fault! You're the one who left her! But it wasn't his fault. Because I had left all three of them. We're taking off, Fang said. I knew my face was splotchy and tear-stained. My clothes were filthy and covered with soot and blood and dust. My hair was matted with ash and grit. What? I asked Dolly. Nudge had been sleeping against my shoulder, and now she roused and blinked groggily. Fang gestured toward his gang, waiting several feet away. They looked whipped and dirty, and they had new, sad, first-hand knowledge about some of the awful things that can happen in the world. Strangely, seeing them warmed my heart a little. They were starting to look like they belonged with us. We're going to take off, Fang repeated. The cots got some of the DG organizers but not whoever or whatever was supposed to be the one light. Gazzy filled me in on what he and on what he learned at their headquarters, so we're going after that. It doesn't sound like Mark was the kingpin. He was only a servant of the one light. Huh, I said, unable to offer more of a reaction. We have to kill this plant at the roots, Fang said, or it'll just grow back. His face was lined and grim, his voice flat. He'd always loved Angel so much, like we all had. Oh, I said, and wearily got to my feet, feeling old and hollow and like I would never be happy again. I don't even know what I was expecting, 
but Fang and I sort of came together in a brief, awkward hug. I clung to him, relishing the milliseconds in his arms like they were ours. Then I stepped back. So, this is it, I said almost incoherently. Yeah, Fang agreed, and my heart sank. I'd actually hoped he'd say, for now. Be safe, he said. Then he looked meaningfully at Dylan, as if to say, That's your job now. Take care of her. Maya waited with the gang, and I knew I owed her. I went and stood in front of her, watching as her eyes met mine. Thanks, I told her. She nodded. And that was it. We were too alike to need anything more. Take care, guys, Fang said to the rest of the flock. I'll post anything I found out on my blog. More tearful goodbyes, and then they were gone. I blinked uncomfortably, feeling the grit in my eyes, then turned to the flock. I swallowed hard. I need to find Ella, I told them, and my mom, and maybe even Jeb. Slowly, one by one, they nodded. I let out a deep breath, wondering if I could even get myself airborne. Dylan came up to me. He wrapped his arm around my shoulder and took one of my hands in his. His hand was large, warm, and comforting. I looked down at it, and again, hot tears pricked the backs of my eyes, then ran down my face, making tracks through the sweat and the blood. I let them fall. I looked up at him and nodded. And then we got ready to fly. Epilogue. Famous last words. You're a very superior, Angel, said a voice. Angel heard the voice, heard other muffled sounds, but she couldn't open her eyes. She couldn't move a muscle. She tried to still her panic, tried to calm down enough to figure out where she was, what was happening. Her head was killing her. Her head was killing her, and she could tell some of her hair was matted with blood. Her feet were bare and cold. She had electrodes taped to her, all over. And as she realized this, panic washed through her. She heard a machine start beeping as her heart beat faster. Not again. She couldn't go through this again. It's okay, Angel, said the voice. Angel couldn't tell if a man or a woman was speaking. It sounded like it was coming at her through many layers of cotton. You're among friends, even admirers. We are going to take care of you. Angel tried to speak, but couldn't make a single sound. Was she even breathing? She thought so. She realized that her wrist stung. She must have an IV there. It was all nauseatingly familiar. The feeling of helplessness, the smell of disinfectant, the hushed hums and chirps of medical machines tracking every bodily function. With all of her heart, she wished she was at home with Max and the others. She wished she could curl up with Max and watch TV. Wished she could watch Ella and Iggy bake cookies. She was just a little kid. You see, Angel, the voice continued, it's important that you recognize your superiority. It's part of your destiny. You have to take strength from that knowledge. An icy liquid seeped into her hair, and Angel wondered if they were cleaning the blood off. When you truly understand your superiority, you'll be able to leave your humanity behind. Once and for all, humans aren't needed for the new world, but superhumans are. Beings that are more than human, better than human. You'll see. Angel tried sending her thoughts out, tried to get in the heads of whomever was around her, but it was like she was encased in plastic, with no thoughts entering or leaving. She'd never felt more alone. Where was Max? Was she worried? The flock must be going crazy, trying to find her. She swallowed uncomfortably, 
aware that a tube was going down her throat. And that's when everything crashed in on her. The bombs, running after Gazi in the tunnel. The huge explosion. She remembered nothing after that, until just now. She didn't know if Gazi and Fang had made it out alive. She didn't know if they had saved thousands of people. She didn't even know if she still had a flock. She thought about the people, so many people, that might be dead right now, because she and Gazi had failed. This is my fault, Angel thought. All of this is my fault. Oh, Max, she thought, sure that Max couldn't hear her. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Very slowly, a single tear welled up in her closed eye and seeped up from beneath her heavy lid. It rolled down her cheek, past her ear. Don't worry, Angel, came the voice again. You're very special. We're going to take good care of you. But at least Angel was still human enough to cry. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Bootleg Audiobook Podcast thing. I am your Olivet Marky. And we got a couple Q&A response things. The first one is from Emily, who said, Let's say, I own a Serbian copy of The Angel Experiment. It was so weird to read this, but the cover is cool. Thankfully, the Serbian publisher didn't release the rest of the series. That is really cool, Emily. I, I tried to see if I could find the cover of the Serbian version of The Angel Experiment, and I only found the, for some reason, 10 other covers they went with in the U.S., Oh, man, I've gone to D-Die before. Don't let me get too off-topic on this, because, oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> There's so many covers for no reason! <laughs> um, I did manage to find a Japanese version, though, which is really weird. I'd, I'd never seen that before. Um, if you want to, like, email that, or if Spotify will let you put a link to an image, I don't know how Spotify works. But, uh, yeah, if you want to show that off, I'd like to see the Serbian cover. But, uh, thank you very much, Emily. The next one is from Axolotl, who said, all caps, by the way, I can't wait till next week. I need to effing know what happens next. Yeah, um, since we finished this book just now, the, that was the whole rest of the book. So, uh, another one in the bag. Let's go. Yeah, no, I'd, uh, I'd completely forgotten about that whole bit with Angel at the end there. I'm starting to remember a little bit of what happens in the next book or two, but I don't super remember what order everything happens in. So we're gonna go on an adventure. This is gonna be fun, I think. <laughs> that was a uh, real big cliffhanger, but we'll get to the next book next week and see what happens there too. But thanks for writing in, Axolotl. Alright, that's all the messages and stuff I have, so we are going to move on to the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the web series Marble Hornets. So, uh, as I'm recording this, I'm actually late for a watch party with my friends. Uh, the day I'm recording this, on June 20th, is the 14th anniversary of the series. So that's, that's kind of why I'm thinking about it. But uh, Marble Hornets is an ARG that was posted on YouTube that is kind of a lot of the building blocks for the, like, Slenderman mythos and stuff. The creator saw the original image of Slenderman, and then ten days later released the first episode of the series, which is kind of cool. Marble Hornets is about a guy named Jay who 
his friend in college, Alex, was making a student film, and he stopped working on it. His personality changed, like, really aggressively, and he just stopped working on the film altogether, and Jay found the tapes, and he was like, hey, uh, what should I do with these? And Alex told him to just burn them. Burn them. Get them out of here. Which is, you know, kind of aggressive response to seeing tapes. So Jay got curious and started watching through all the tapes. And some of them are of the movie that Alex was shooting, Marble Hornets. And there's some weird stuff popping up in the background. I think Marble Hornets is definitely an acquired taste. My friends like to refer to it as nine hours of woods footage, which is not completely inaccurate. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting story. It's one of those things where you have to like really, really pay attention to kind of get everything. We were watching through it a couple weeks ago and they were still noticing new stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a good series. Uh, there was also a, a sister channel called To The Ark that was also posting videos at the same time that was related to Marble Hornets. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, pretty interesting. So I will leave a link in the show notes to a huge playlist that has all the Marble Hornets videos in order with the To The Ark videos spliced in there where they're supposed to go. But yeah, that is the web series Marble Hornets. You should go check it out. All right, if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to know. Alrighty, I think that's all I got to say for this time. So, until next time, fly on.